Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to another episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. This week, I'm talking with Kat Polsonelli, a business management and personal development coach who works with people to overcome their limiting beliefs and build businesses that reflect their true selves. Kat's just amazing, you guys. She's like everybody's best friend. It was so fun talking to her, and she had some really cool insights that I think you guys are going to find so valuable in your everyday lives. So tell me more about Kat. Kat is an indispensable resource for entrepreneurs aiming to make their business operations more systematic. She specializes in the field of business operations and mindset coaching, offering a blend of time management, leadership development, and productivity enhancement solutions designed to suit the unique needs of her clients. And I'm just saying, what mom out there doesn't need all of the above, right? In our conversation, we talk about Kat's personal story, um, how she got to where she is as a business owner and personal development coach, the importance of trusting ourselves in our adult lives and how it's related to taking risks, the relationship between decision fatigue and intention, um, digging into why we struggle to be alone in our heads, and so much more. You guys can find Kat at her website, agentservicesplus.com, which has now since this interview been rebranded at the hyphen lotus hyphen effect.com. You can also find her on social media. She's out there on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at the Lotus Effect Coach. And you can also check out her podcast called Real Chat with Kat. You can get that anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, you guys, without further ado, here's my conversation with the amazing Kat Polsonelli. Enjoy. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks for being here today. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be a guest with you. I am really excited for our conversation. <laughs> so we have a lot in common. We are both boy moms. We are both podcasters and we're both kind of obsessed with empowering and supporting women to step into their light and own what makes us awesome. So yes. <laughs> with that, I want to have you introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do. Oh, yes, sure. Okay. Well, thank you again uh, for having me today. Uh, for everybody out there, my name is Kat Polsonelli. Yes, Kat is short for Catherine, but it kind of it kind of stuck. <laughs> so uh, I am a business management and personal development coach. So I work with entrepreneurs and others in business that are looking to simplify and take apart all of the overwhelm and the stress and all the classes and everything 
everything that you tried and narrow it down to what actually works for you in your business. And sometimes that means just tweaking some things that you're already doing. Sometimes that means revamping stuff, but helping you get organized and creating a piece of implementation that actually feels more natural to you. A lot of us tend to try to work in this cookie cutter setting. And for some people it does work, but for those that tend to work outside the box, they also need ideas that are outside of the box. And so that's where I come in is to help people get to that point and be able to scale and build as needed. And then, uh, you know, I also work with purple people, purple, good gracious people in regards to men. <laughs> and to be honest, that tends to roll over into my business clients, but it's across the board, right? Yeah. You, I love to help people understand where their limiting beliefs are and where they may be holding themselves back. The, the first piece of self-development for me is one, knowing that you you want to make a change, but two, being able to start accepting those things instead of just blaming other people. And when you take back that power, it gives you such a relief. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh my gosh, like that would just frustrate me. But it's, it's, it's interesting because you then don't allow other people to attach themselves to how you live your life. And it's, it's really very freeing. So that's the basis of the things that I enjoy doing uh, with people everywhere. <laughs> I love it. And I want to dive into a lot of that and the specifics of how, right, how you teach your clients, this kind of stuff. Um, but before we do that, I want to hear your story. How did you get into this kind of work, especially with the goal of helping support women specifically? Yeah, definitely. Oh gosh. So that's a long story, but I would definitely say that throughout my years and, and the things that I've been through from letting everyone down and getting pregnant at 16. I say that because a lot of people can attest to that, but I, I did keep my son who's now 18. Uh, I ended up in an eight-year abusive relationship. So I actually started my life over at almost the age of 28 with two young boys. And when I mean over, I mean, I literally had a job, I had to buy my first car, my cell phone. I had filed for bankruptcy. Uh, and I also didn't know who I was at that point. So I was in the medical field and I knew that I loved helping people. It was why I decided to get into nursing or medical in some form of degree back when I was 18. And I did that for quite a while and I loved what I did. But what I started to realize was, especially after I got out of the abusive relationship, was I wanted to be able to help people my way. And every doctor that I worked with had their way, right? If you didn't yeah. conform to their way, your way didn't matter or however you wanted to do things or run things didn't matter. And that became a huge issue for me. Uh, the plan was, never, you know, right. We always have these plans that never come to fold the way we want them to. But the plan was I was going to stay in the medical field for a little while, get my real estate license, and then kind of transition over so that I could spend more time with my kids. I was a single mom at the time, and I wanted to be able to be involved in their sports and do all the things. And having a medical job and working 10, 12 hour days really put a constraint on that. And so I needed that freedom to be able to give back to my kids because for so many years they didn't have that. Uh, what ended up happening was probably one of the best blessings ever. I was actually fired um, 
out of the blue, no reason why. Um, I think it was honestly a moral disagreement that we had in regards to money, uh, but it shoved me into real estate. And once I got into real estate, that was kind of the push that I needed to, to be on my own. And from there, I, I worked by myself. I also worked with a team. I took a corporate position on top of working real estate and actually really dove into the people that were at that brokerage at the time. And I learned so much about me, but I also learned so much about people. And then what I realized was everybody that has a business is so great at building relationships and doing that piece, they forget all the other stuff, which I actually enjoy doing. And so out popped <laughs> Agent Services Plus. Um, and, and it's kind of expanded. I originally started just with my real estate people and those that I knew. And then as I kind of moved more into a coaching space, I opened up myself to kind of seeing where it led me. And then it just, the doors flew open. So that's why I now work with sales-based entrepreneurs, because across the board, regardless of what business that you're in, everyone needs some help, needs someone that can see outside of the box and say, hey, look, like this is what I'm doing. This is where I feel like I'm failing. Like, what are your thoughts? Right. And while, yes, having your friends give you that stuff is, is great. They can be a little biased, right? Having a coach or a mentor that's completely outside of your business and literally is there solely to help you grow is a completely different opinion, right? And that's why I, once I hired a mentor just over two years ago, I've always had one just so that I have someone I can go to. And it's amazing the insights that you get from those people. And to be honest, a lot of it is already inside of us. We just don't listen to our own head, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I love that piece. And I love seeing that light bulb go off when I'm having those conversations or when I'm walking people through how to not let their traumas affect them anymore, or how you can get over that so you can run your business even better. Uh, those are probably my favorite moments is really seeing people like embody that and you can see them grow and you can see them start to understand and they feel that next level coming to them. That That's probably my favorite part of it. That's so awesome. So fulfilling, right? It's not necessarily the numbers or what the ultimate mm -hmm. goal is of what they accomplish. It's, it's the personal growth that comes from yeah. just kind of having those like light bulb moments, right? Stepping outside of yourself and seeing it from a whole different perspective, right? And yeah, know, it's hard. It's hard to do that on your own. Everybody needs help doing that. I mean, whether that's listening to a podcast or hiring a coach or just having somebody be completely honest with you. But I feel yeah. like even our friends, we don't want to be completely honest because we're so afraid of hurting people's feelings. Right. Yep. And, and, but yet you, you need that in order to be able to, to make growth happen. Right. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you said was that you love helping people. And the, that's sort of how you went into the medical field. Similarly, I love helping people. My mom was a nurse and my dad was a firefighter. And I, just had this natural inclination towards wanting to make people better, right? Yet I couldn't stand mm -hmm. the sight of blood. I didn't want to go into the medical field <laughs> at all. But I also found it's been a hard, it's been very hard for me to sort of find my purpose, I think, ultimately, mm -hmm. even in the the fields that I've had, because I kept feeling like that I needed to the role that I did had to sit, had to fit in a certain kind of box. Right. So if I yeah. wanted to help people, it had to look a certain way. 
right? So I love what you said about sort of doing it your way versus doing it somebody else's way. And that's something that's been very um, on the top of my mind lately is kind of, you know, why do I have to sort of apply to be myself essentially? Like, why can't I can't, why can't I just sort of do it my own way and be successful in my own way and trust myself versus trying to be somebody else. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's a hard thing, I think, for a lot of women. And I I bet a lot of clients who come to you is to have the bravery to start trusting themselves, even though they want this goal, but there's something holding them back, right? Yeah. Do you see that a lot? Definitely. Oh, yeah. And I do think that it's... (sighs) when you said trusting yourself, that's a huge thing that we, we aren't taught, right? You, you yeah. learn it when you're like really, really little, cause you have to trust yourself when you fall and you have to trust mom and dad to take care of you. But through the ages, as, as we grow, we've been through so many situations where other people have hurt us or, you know, being ourselves lost us a job or lost us a person that we loved or a right. relationship or whatever the case may be that we ultimately start to question whether or not we're doing it right. And the the biggest issue is, is we all seem to think that there's a right way of doing things when in actuality, the right way of doing it is being you. And as a society, especially since social media has had a huge takeoff over the last several years, and so many people, especially during the pandemic, have been so heavily stuck on it. People don't know how to just be them. They're so sucked into being that perfect person that takes their photos a certain way or has all of the pictures behind them or travels all over the world. And then we get down on ourselves and we think, oh, well, I I can't do that. Right. That's not me. And it's a lot of people don't understand, which is why I do my absolute best when I'm having conversations, when I'm doing my podcast, when I'm doing speaking events, I am very open and vulnerable about screwing up and I call myself out on it and being very honest and not always looking the best or having makeup on when I'm doing stuff. I do that on purpose because if that's how I feel that day, that's how I feel. And I want people to understand that you don't have to conform to what you think society wants you to be. You need to conform to be yourself because what's interesting is we all have our own little perception of what society wants us to be. But yet there is no definition. There is no outline. There is nothing anywhere that specifically states, oh, you should do it this way. Oh, you should be this way. Oh, you should try this. We just all have created it in our own minds and now we live by it. Yeah. There's no instruction manual. And that's been something that's actually been going through my mind lately as well, that they always say this, right? When you have a baby, like there's no instruction manual with a baby, you figure it (laughs) out, right? But all I wanted when I had my two tiny babies and I knew nothing like neither of what worked for one kid didn't work for another. Right. So all I wanted was an instruction manual because Mm -hmm. I'm good at following directions. And I'm sure many, many listeners out there, clients that you have listeners of the podcast, everybody's good at following directions because you know, that's easy. It's figuring out the messiness in the middle that we, that, that we want. And I wish, I wish so much some days that somebody would just tell me what to do. Cause I'm kind of like decision fatigue. Like I, I yeah. just, I make too many decisions on a daily basis for my kids and my fit myself and my family and everything. Yeah. But 
at the same time, I can be overwhelming. And so sometimes when I'm struggling with something, whether it's something at work or even just like a big life choice, I just wish somebody would give me the answer. I wish somebody would tell me what to do. And the hardest lesson that I've had to learn is like, I need to trust myself and I need to just go with what feels right. And I doubt myself all the time because to exactly to your point, I don't think that I'm responsible enough to be making these decisions or I'm going to be making the right decision ultimately. Right. Mm -hmm. It really messes with us, I think. And it It really puts us in a very uncomfortable position. Yeah. And especially for women too, because we growing up, you know, a lot of us were taught how to be nurturing and how to be motherly. We weren't taught how to take risks. Boys, right. Growing up, take a lot of risks. Girls naturally tend to be pushed more toward, you know, playing with dolls and being a mom and having the baby and cooking in the kitchen. Like a lot of our girls are, are taught that. And that disassociates that ability to take that risk, which boys tend to do naturally, right? We still have the same ability. Uh, It's just that male and female are coached differently as we grow into kind of the way society has seen us throughout the ages. And that's just kind of come down from generation to generation to generation, right? It's um, just something that's kind of ingrained. And, And like you were saying, in regards to decision-making, what's interesting is I just, I was just listening to a Ted talk and they were saying that our brain can actually only handle five to seven choices at a time. And if we have more than that, it actually overloads. And that's a lot of the reasons why we tend to shut down. So what I found interesting was, and and I kind of started trying some of this out was You can actually help with lessening your decisions. So for instance, um, if you get up every morning and you have no freaking clue what you're going to wear and it feels like it takes you forever to go through it, one, you should probably go through your closet because there's probably a lot of things that you're never going to wear that's in there that you just keep staring at. But two, pick your stuff out the night before. Know that that's your decision. And then when you get up in the morning and you get ready, it's already there. It's one less decision to start your day, which can help keep the mind calm. If you know that trying to figure out what you're going to eat is going to be the thing, figure that out the night before. I know that I tend to go between like scrambled eggs or a smoothie, you know, or a granola bar if I'm not hungry at all. Like those are my three go-tos. And so therefore I kind of already have in my mind what I'm going to do every single morning. So I'm able to start my day a lot more simplified and less stressed right in the beginning, because there are certain things that we can take out of the equation instead of feeling like we have to make all of these decisions. And a lot of them you can simplify down or make this decision ahead of time, know that that's what you're doing. And then you don't have to worry about it the next day. Yeah. And I think that ultimately comes back to intention, right? And taking the time to be intentional about it. And that's something that I struggle with. I mean, I talk about it all the time because that's what I want to do. That's my goal, but I get busy and I forget, right? And so all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it's whatever time it is. And I realize like, okay, I need to go to the grocery store and you know, I just think about things like just examples in the world that we're in right now, go to the grocery store. And there's, you say, I'm going to pick up a box of cheeses. There's 14 different kinds of cheeses, <laughs> literally. So I will stand there in the aisle being like, well, do I want the big ones? Do I want the extra toasty ones? Do I want the ones with this cheese? on?" I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. So yeah. I feel like actually in one thing I 
I forget to do a lot lately is make a list, right? So if I think about it ahead of time, then it's going to be easier. The other thing is, uh, the other example that comes to my mind is um, just TV. Like when we were growing up, we just watched what was on, right? We didn't watch, <laughs> we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have Hulu. We didn't have all this stuff, right? There's so yeah. many options. And I think about it with my kids, like we'll sit on the couch and we'll be like, okay, what do you want to watch? Everyone wants to watch a different show because everybody has the ability to watch a different show. So it's yeah. like, uh, so that's kind of like internal, you know, family dynamics that need to um, be yeah. discussed at another time, but like around how, to, how do we determine what to do there? But that's just an, another example of how it's so easy, I think, to fall into this decision fatigue and how being intentional about it, having maybe the conversations ahead of time, like, okay, do we want to watch a TV show? Do we want to watch a movie? Do we want it to be a cartoon yeah. movie? Do we want to watch? I mean, what are we, what are we sort of interested in? And let's make a decision as a family. Seems mm -hmm. like a lot of work, but I feel like if you just, if you, if you start to think about these things, it will again, in yeah. the future, well, eliminate some of that stress. And ultimately what it does is it kind of creates a schedule. I mean, if you, yeah. if you really think about it, it's kind of what you're doing. So like, even like you were saying, grocery shopping, like for me, I know that if I go to the grocery store, I'm probably going to pick up quite a few extra items that I don't need um, because they're on the shelf right. or, or spend more time because I'm looking at other things, right? Instead of following my list. So what I started doing was it has become part of my schedule. So normally every Friday I have a schedule and throughout the week I have a piece of paper that stays on our counter and I fill things into it. And then on Fridays, I actually map out what we're going to eat the next week. So I pick out five meals and they don't have to be any particular order, but I pick out five meals and I base my uh, grocery list just around that. And then I do my absolute best to order online and not step foot in the grocery store. That and was that what is, I was just going to say. I mean, that makes such a difference. Helped. It has made such a difference. I don't spend as much and it does take that, oh, I have to go to the grocery store out of it because I can just order it in the morning. I know it's going to be done that afternoon and it's already off my plate, right? Yeah. So it's scheduled out. Same thing yeah. with, you know, TV shows and things like that. When my kids were younger, we would schedule out specific days to like, okay, if everybody gets all this done and it's report card time, right. Or whatever, we'll watch a movie this one night. Right. And like, that was it. And then like another night we would choose maybe this TV show. Um, even now my, my oldest one, he tends to sit downstairs and play his video games so he can kind of chat while making dinner, but he knows that by a certain time he's off and that's my time. And if he wants to sit down there with us, that's great, but that's, that's my time. And he needs to go have his time if he doesn't want to sit with us. And so it's kind of, it's scheduled out. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that, yeah. right? It's not like I have it on a calendar, but it it is kind of scheduled out. And to be honest, it creates a boundary around what you need to do versus what you want to do. And then getting kind of confused in the middle of all that. I love it. It's something that I think is so simple and so easy, but it's like, we forget to do it. Right. Cause we get again, so caught up. And I think if you just mm -hmm. I take that time to slow down and figure out what is it? Do I want, how do I want to feel ultimately? Yeah. Because that for me is like the biggest thing. It's not when I talk, I talk about it with money. I talk about it with like spending and stuff. It's not the item. It's not the income. It's not the amount of money we earn or what we're spending or anything like that. It's the feeling behind all of that. So what's mm -hmm. that feeling underneath? And one of the things that actually, this is a good segue. One of the things that you mentioned a couple of times already is this concept of freedom. And I think that is um, a 
big one for a lot of women. It definitely is for me. I've done a whole episode on this feeling of freedom that I, that I want. And I think Mm -hmm. it's our responsibility to start to take intentional effort towards moving towards what we want. And that isn't easy, of course, right? Especially when you're stuck in like, you know, this maybe corporate mindset or mentality and your experience as as a mom too. I mean, and and you know it too, like you feel like you have to be everything to everybody all the time. So there are times, and even just yesterday morning, I kind of lost it on my family because everybody needed something from me at the exact same time. And I was like, wait, Mm -hmm. when do I get to need myself? Or when do I get to even help myself. Right. And you can start to fall into this victim mindset, yeah. which is, which is damaging. Right. And so I have to pull myself out of that and be aware of it. But I think the freedom is what I'm craving, the freedom of being able to do what I want when I want. And I feel like it's a very similar concept for a lot of women. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and it's interesting too, because when we, we think of the word freedom, I can guarantee you a lot of people are going to some big, huge thought of, you know, having all the money or not being able to having to do any of this. Right. But if you really dial it down and you think about freedom, freedom needs to have its own definition per person. So when you think about freedom, freedom for you may just be 15 minutes by myself, not being bothered, having to do anything for anybody so that I can just relax. Right. Freedom more for someone else may be delegating tasks out because they don't enjoy doing it and it's bogging them down, which is making it to where their business isn't fun anymore. Right. So there's there's all these different sub definitions of freedom and it needs to be different for each person we tend to get stuck in this like collaborative space or this one size fits all definition, um, freedom, success, uh, things like that. The amount of money you want to have where then you're actually focused more on somebody else's dream and belief and you're not focused on yours. And when you're not focused on yours, it's not going to align, which is going to make it even harder for you to be able to implement and keep that implementation moving you forward. Yeah. And even that, um, what just came to mind for me is that like someday, someday when, right, I'll be able to quit my job and move to an island somewhere, you know, and then I'll have freedom, but that's a long way off. And I feel like that sometimes is the motivation for a lot of people versus just trying to be authentic and be yourself and develop the freedom in your everyday. And that's sort of where I'm at, right? So I I feel this way, but I know I can't just up and leave my family. I can't, there's a lot of things that I just can't do and I, nor do I want to, right? Um, As wonderful as living on an island might be, but it's this kind of, the grass is always greener on the other side. So how, Mm -hmm. how do we create more freedom in our everyday lives? How do you work with your clients in order to help them have this feeling now? So that they don't have to, you know, wait until that, that potential day in the future that may or may not come. Yeah, I definitely think that for me, the the biggest thing is actually breaking down that huge dream, right? Like what you have is a beautiful dream of just being on an island, doing whatever you want, but that's, that's a dream. So if you bring that more into reality and think about what would you be doing every day, right? Where would you be spending your time? Things like that. If you can't create that in that dream space, 
then maybe it's not necessarily exactly what you want. It's just a concept you've created because of everything that you've seen from everyone else. So now it's time to maybe dial back and say, okay, well, maybe the island not doing anything all day because you'd go crazy isn't for you. So let's, let's think back then. Okay. So what do you want, right? What do you, what do you wish you had now? Right. And then really looking at where you can create those spaces in between. And I'm not saying it's going to work out every single day or the same time every week and things like that, especially for people that are parents, right? We, there, there is no such thing as work-life balance. Yes. To me, it's an orchestra. So you, sometimes your strings have to play and sometimes the piano has to play and then the trumpets are in the back and you have to be able to kind of bounce. But if you can learn to be okay with that and say, okay, it's okay because when that time comes and I have a few minutes, I'm going to fully take it for me. That's how you start to create your own peace and whatever chaos that you feel like you're in. You have to learn to be okay with how your day goes and how it flows regardless, instead of needing it to be so strenuous, because what happens when we need things to be so strenuous, so on time, so this, you know, or so that, and I get right being on time for things. I'm not talking about that, but if you can't move your day around as things happen, you are going to cause anxiety to yourself because now you're going to feel like it didn't get done. Oh, great. Well, now where am I going to get it done at? Right. Instead of knowing like, okay, it's okay. I didn't have anything this afternoon anyway. So well, let's get this done. Yep. I'll just move this down here and talk, I'm talking to yourself. I know it sounds crazy, but talking to yourself and having that conversation of putting yourself back at ease. We really do have to have that internal dialogue with ourselves, And a lot of people don't tend to do that. They just hear that little voice and they're like, oh my God, you're right. It, we're screwed, right? You do have to, just like if you were talking to a child, just like if you were talking to your teenager who's trying to figure their life out, it's okay. It's going to be fine. You can move it here. You can do it there. Compassion. Yeah. And you have to do that with yourself. And we forget to do that with ourselves because we get so stuck in all the, all the everything that needs to be done in that one day. And then even if everything got done, but one thing, all we focus on is that one thing that didn't get done and it ruins it. So you have to have that gratitude for all the other small accomplishments as well, even if you didn't complete it all so that you can still be proud of yourself. And it makes it a lot easier to move into the next day versus beating yourself up on one thing that didn't happen, which means you're going to wake up the next day and feel like a failure. Yeah. And not even acknowledging all the stuff that you did do that day or that went really well. Right. I think a lot of us just forget about that because every, if it wasn't perfect, then it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, boundaries come into play here as well, right? Because you Mm -hmm. need to be, which is again, something that I struggle with. I was actually just having a conversation with my husband this morning about this. My mom is getting a puppy. (laughs) And so she is, uh, my dad passed away about a year ago and she decided that, you know, uh, one year out, she was going to get a puppy and she wants something to take care of. and, And I'm happy for her, but she called me the other day twice I was on a work call and so every time because because my dad had been sick for so long I every time my mom calls I still get this kind of like anxiousness in me and so I silenced the call because I was on a work call and then she calls me back again like five minutes later and I would so I I 
finally pick it up. And I was like, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, everything is fine. I just want you to know that I'm getting the puppy on this day and I've done all this and this, and I'm just like, like, chill out. But regardless, she asked me to come with her to go get the puppy. And it's Sunday night at like six 30 and that she's going to pick up the puppy. And so I, at first immediately was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll help you out with that. And of course I want to meet the puppy and everything. And then I was talking with Mm -hmm. my husband and we were talking about the weekend and everything. And he's like, you know, that that's kind of such a difficult time for us. Like Sunday nights at six 30, like just with the kids and getting ready for the week and the routine and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, you're right. He's like, would that stress you out? And I'm like, yeah, it probably would stress me out. And he's like, so call your mom and tell her that you can't do it. And it was, I'm going to, and that's my goal for today. But it's very hard for me because my initial response, just like I'm sure so many women listening is to just say yes to everything because this person needs me. This person is, you know, whatever the situation is, I can be helpful. I can provide something. And I realized that um, actually a conversation I had the other day with a guest who's going to be on the, on the podcast, I realized that some of that instant um, instinct to always say yes probably comes from issues with my own self-worth. Um, and always, I think I feel like I always have to be everything to everybody because maybe I'm not enough, um, in my own mind. And I bet that is pretty common for a lot of women. Yeah. I I would say that, or the other thing that I tend to see, and this was actually an issue with me was I always said yes to everyone because I didn't want to not be doing something because if I wasn't doing something that meant I had to sit with myself. Yes. And yep. if I had to sit with myself, I had to deal with the shit I had been through. Oops. That can, uh, the that, things I've been through. That's okay. <laughs> so, that, can, that can be scary. So I, I was afraid of my own being alone in my own head for a really long time. It was been mm-hmm. until pretty recently that I've actually been, been like, okay, I can do this. And I still have moments. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That tends to be one that I see pop up a lot. And like I said, that, that was one for me specifically was, and I didn't realize it until later. Right. But when I got out of my abusive relationship, I was so stuck on making up for everything my kids and I never got to do. And I was giving so much to a company that I worked for that I literally worked 12 hours a day, fed my kids. I went to school at night online. And then on the weekends, it was whatever they wanted to do, wherever we wanted to explore things we had never done. And then all the in-between gaps was anything my parents needed, anything my sisters needed, anytime my friends needed me. Like I would slam myself to the point of like not even being able to breathe. And a lot of it was because if I wasn't doing something, I had to be alone and being alone is scary. Right. And for a lot of people that tends to be a thing as well. And as women, we tend to have this nurturing feeling where like, Oh, I'll just fix it for you for, for everyone. And so one of the things that I started doing when I tried to set boundaries, because for a lot of people setting boundaries or saying no is very hard. And this is something I, I work with my clients on a lot is that's okay. We don't have to take the big jump. We can take a small jump. And so that small jump is from now on, anytime someone asks me to do something, unless it's like life-threatening or whatever, right? Anytime that someone asks me to be a part of something or do something, I say, oh my gosh, you know what? That would be amazing. Let me look at my schedule and I get back with you. 
Very simple, very yeah. easy. It doesn't freak the brain out, but you have time to actually process it. Yeah. And then what you have to do is then is just take that time afterward to be like, okay, does this really fit in? Is this really going to work for me? And not beat yourself up if the answer is no. And that's, that's the other piece of it. Yeah. It gives you time to reflect and say, do I actually want to do this? And does this make sense for me at this moment? Yeah. Instead of just, you know, automatically saying yes yeah. and feeling like, you know, you feeling annoyed by something you have to do in the future that you don't really yeah. want to do. Yeah. It yeah. gives, you, it gives you space. That. Yeah. And people forget that you, you can be happy and you can celebrate for other people and you can be all in to help them with whatever they need without being in the middle of it. You, you really can. And a lot of times what you will find is when you do say, hey, you know, I thought about it. I just there is no way I can fit it in my schedule, but I am so cheering for you like this is so awesome. Or, you know, if I can send people your way or whatever the case may be, you'll find that a lot of people are like, oh, OK, well, that's great. Right. And then you're done. Right. right. You've Whereas removed yourself. We from our, it. Yeah. We put ourselves in this agonizing fear of rejection when. 90 something percent of the time, it's our brains always overplay what is actually going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can we go back to something you said before about how we don't like to sit with ourselves alone, right? Yeah. So, and you know, you, you talked about your experience with it. I've been there and still struggle with it sometimes. What do you recommend you do. What, what do you say to your clients who are in that boat and, and who are kind of afraid to be alone? What do you say? Where do you start? So the, the first thing is trying to figure out first of why don't you want to be alone? Like, is it because you don't like yourself? Is it because you don't want to deal with the thoughts in your head? Is it because you feel like if you're not constantly being busy, then you're failing somewhere, like you need to yeah. kind of dig down to the root of that to understand. And a lot of times that comes back to limiting beliefs, yeah. something that someone else has told us on repeat that we now accept as our own belief. And that's where we're stuck in. So you mm -hmm. have to start working with that first. If you can kind of pinpoint and you have to be honest with yourself and that one's hard, uh, but really sit and be like, like, why, why don't I want to be with me and listen to whatever pops up in your head? Because whatever pops up in your head is more than likely where you're struggling. It's just, that's that little voice you kind of push in the back and don't listen to. Um, but if you can identify that, that is the beginning point, because then you can be like, oh, okay, well, why do I feel like I have to be busy 24 seven? Like who told me that? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And that's the, that's the first piece of it is you have to be able to, you have to find the reason or reasons, and then you have to question that. Like, where did that come from? Well, why, why is it not okay for me to sit by myself? Does that mean I'm doing something wrong? Would I get mad at someone else if they did it? Well, no. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then, so you, you do have to kind of break it down first to yeah. understand, then be able to start trying those small intimate moments with yourself. And when I, when I say intimate moments, I don't mean picking up your phone and going through social media because scrolling just bogs the brain down and you're still not getting to the root of the issue. Of so 
you can't sit there and do things like that. Honestly, sometimes just listening to mindless podcasts. Now, if you're listening to one that's, you know, helping with your mindset and working you through some things where you're learning to ask yourself questions, great. But you really have to be intentional with that space and you can't throw something in it just to do something for the sake of doing it and be like, oh, well, I spent time with myself. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You distracted yourself from the actual issue, which means you're going to continue having a hard time. So I always suggest journaling. And uh, when I say journaling, I don't mean dear diary. I mean, literally, and this is something that I did for a long time, which was really interesting. Um, I would sit down with a piece of paper and I would write whatever question came to mind. So like, why don't I want to sit with myself? Well, because blah, 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 blah. Well, why does that matter? And I literally would have a conversation back and forth with myself. Half the time I couldn't read the writing. I never paid attention to punctuation. I just wrote whatever came to mind. But what ended up happening was subconsciously, my mind was actually working through some of the things that I was refusing to deal with. And so after about 10 or 15 minutes of just jotting whatever the heck came to mind, my mind was actually at peace. And it was the weirdest thing. Like nothing was talking to me. No one was saying anything. No one was getting on to me. It was just quiet. But that became so peaceful to me that like, I crave that now. So when I'm having a really stressful day, that's what I do. Or I go and I sit and I meditate because I enjoy that part of peace. But that's what I did. I would just write the, it was horrible. I can't even read half my handwriting, but I would just write anything that came to mind, whatever question. And then I would go through it and be like, oh, because you're stupid and this is dumb. And I'm like, yeah, but why do you talk to yourself like that? And it just, it pulls everything out. But what it does is it gets it out of your thoughts and onto paper. And then once you do that, what you'll find is, is one, you can work through things a lot easier and really figure out where your problems are coming from, your triggers are coming from, or your, your issues with yourself are coming from. But two, it's a fantastic way to release it. I never reread any of the stuff that I wrote. Couldn't read half of it anyway, but I never reread any of it. I just, that was that, that was that moment. That's what I needed. And we're done with it. And when I started doing that, it just opened up so many more doors. And now I've learned to be more curious and to ask myself more questions and to figure out why I'm thinking that way and what that may be coming from instead of shutting myself down. Yeah. And and this isn't one and done. This is like, yeah. we have to do this all the time because the stories that even if you think you've worked through them you kind of, you know, check the box, you haven't. And they are going to come back up in different ways, in different situations. And so there's always something that is there to work through. It's funny you said that because about journaling, because I um, hadn't done it in a really long time. And I think the story that I tell myself is I can't do it because I'm too busy. And it's, if I have a few minutes to myself, I'm just, I have other things that I can or would prefer to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though I actually like writing, I always have. And I used to do this as a kid all the time, but just this morning. So I, I was, had a lot swirling in my head this morning and I was listening to a podcast and before I started work and I was like, you know what? I just need to kind of get some things out of my head. And literally what I did exactly what you just said, I, I wrote down on a piece of paper, this question, like what is holding me back from feeling how I want to feel? And I didn't answer it right away because then I said, well, how do I want to feel? So I started there and then I kind of backed into it. And then mm-hmm. I just wrote a bunch of stuff and I don't even know what I wrote again, probably like can't even read it, but it was good because it got it out of my head. There was so, I feel mm-hmm. like I was trying to make connections in my head that I couldn't quite do until I put it down on paper. Yeah. 
And I'm, yeah. and again, I'm sure that's another huge benefit of it. And I just, it, it's a cathartic process. And I just, I felt like, okay, after I took whatever, 10 minutes or so to do this, I felt like now I can sort of get on with my day and uh, I'm in a better place, but yeah. It's, yeah. And a lot of the things that, that come up are uncomfortable. They're probably is some shame around it. You know, again, those stories that you were told your whole life, whether that was like your fault or not, it's things that you've come to believe. And so I think those beliefs, there can be some shame around those beliefs, especially in the culture where we're in, where it's like, you know, positive vibes only and everybody should be happy all the time. And everybody should have always had this mindset, but it's like, no, I mean, you can't just flip a switch and all of a sudden everything's going to be different. This is work. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every single day. And it, it, it does get easier. Um, and and I love the positive vibes thing, but I think we also have to be okay when we do have down days, right? The difference is, is understanding that those down days, quote unquote, aren't necessarily a day. It's a moment and having a moment is totally okay. It's how you handle and react to that moment afterward. If you're going to sit and simmer in it and let it bother you and it just ruins everything and then everything pisses you off for the rest of the day, well, then you let that win. But if you know that you have that feeling and you can learn to be like, okay, one, can I change it? No, two, could anything be done differently? No, three, does it matter if I tell myself the different ways it could have been done? No, because it's probably never going to happen again. Okay, so then we're done with it, right? Like, why am I stuck on it, right? Like having that conversation with yourself um, or sitting in the moment, you know, if you are having just, you are just irritated to all get out, scream it out, hit something, don't hit people, hit a pillow. (laughs) Yeah. Find something to deal with it. If you need to cry, cry for a few minutes and then be like, okay, I feel better and go on about your day. Don't let it consume you. We tend to let it, we tend to let our reactions and our emotions consume us. Yeah. And then it takes over, right? It takes over everything and our mindset, the way that we respond to things later on in the day, it's, it has like this kind of never ending impact to us on a daily basis. And crying, honestly, I'm an emotional person. I cry a lot. That's my outlet, right? Some people get angry. Some people have, you know, maybe have toxic positivity. I cry. And I, whether, regardless of what it is, it's stress, anxiety, overwhelm, actual sadness, happiness. I cry all the time. It feels, it makes me feel so much better because it's a release. Mm -hmm. It's a physical release of, of yeah, been built up. Yeah. And And people have to figure that out. No, it's not. People just have to figure out what works for them and then embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could talk with you for hours. Um, This is just such a fun (laughs) conversation. So thank you so much for (laughs) bearing with me, but I just looked at the time and I'm like, oh my goodness, we should probably start to wrap up. So I'd love to have you tell everybody how they can find you, uh, your website, your podcast, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So thank you so much. Um, So you can find me on my website, uh, agentservicesplus.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So feel free to follow along. I'm constantly posting things and I want to start doing some more video stuff as well to start giving some tips to, to people. So you can find me on all those platforms. And yeah, definitely check out the show. It's called Real Chat with Cat, uh, And it's on all major platforms. So, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google, all the, all the fun stuff, but, uh, I enjoy the conversations that come up in that, uh, particular setting as well. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's great. It's real. It's authentic. Uh, it's a great show. So I, I enjoy it. <laughs> so <laughs> well, Shout out you. to the podcast, real chat with Kat. 
Um, well, thank you again. Thank you so, so much. This has been a great conversation and um, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be, to be a guest today. So.